Welcome to Music Biz and Law Insights, a podcast hosted by Justin M. Jacobson, an attorney at the Jacobson Firm. Hello. As a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, so everything is for educational purposes only. This episode will briefly look at the role of record labels and at recording contracts. So once an artist has finished their music, the music is now ready to be distributed to the public. So distribution falls into two categories. You have physical distribution, which is you know CDs, vinyl, tapes. Then you have digital distribution, which is MP3s, downloads, and streaming. Usually the indie route is done by a content aggregator such as TuneCore or CD Baby. And these companies place the music in digital music stores as well as on music platforms such as Spotify and Pandora. They usually charge a set fee per release or just retain a specific percentage of the sales. Most of these companies are digital only, but some distributors also offer physical CD and vinyl production. The industry's most dominant third-party distributor is the recording or record label. And these parties are usually involved in both physical as well as digital distribution. So getting the work in big box realtors such as Best Buy and Target, as well as on the digital platforms such as Spotify, Tidal, and Apple Music. Today's recording industry has changed significantly from the older days when you had many independent labels, where now many of them have been sold and merged into each other and are generally under some of the large entertainment entities such as Warner, Universal, and Sony. There's also been a new trend with the creation of vanity or imprint labels under a larger label. So in these cases, a producer or an artist actually signs other artists and producers to their imprint label, and then the larger label brings the music to the public. So for example, Cash Money Records is a vanity label under Republic Records, which is under the Universal Music Group. There are also some independent record labels that actually just distribute and market their own works by themselves. There's also been a recent rise in digital-only record labels that only distribute music digitally. This is especially in the EDM and dance music world. So in addition to actually distributing a work, a label is usually involved in the funding, marketing, and promotion of the music. So to accomplish this, a record label typically has a variety of internal departments. So one of the most common ones is the A&R, or the Artist and Repertoire Department, and they're responsible for discovering new artists and developing the existing ones. Then you have the sales department who handles the logistics for the digital and physical sale of the music. So putting the songs on Spotify and Beatport. Then you have the marketing department who actually works on the advertising and marketing campaign. The press, albums, artwork, music videos, really anything involved in the marketing of the release. Then you have the promotion department, which usually focuses mostly on radio promotions. That includes terrestrial, digital, and satellite radio stations. In most cases, an agreement is usually entered between the artist or musician and the distributor, and that's the record deal or the record agreement. While every deal is different, there are a few points to be aware of, including the amount of any advance, the length of the deal, and the number of albums or singles that you have to deliver under it. So the term is the length of the agreement. It could be just a single, it could be a whole album, it could be multiple albums or multiple years. So a firm or committed album or single is a guaranteed one under the agreement, and then usually most of these agreements have options for additional ones. Most of these options are usually at the label's sole discretion, but sometimes an artist may be able to negotiate specific clauses that trigger an automatic option under the deal that requires the record label to exercise its option. 
So for instance, an agreement might provide that if a release or an album reaches a specific sales level, like if it sells over a million copies or half a million or whatever number, then the option is exercised automatically. Or if, say, the release recoups a certain percentage of the advance, like 75% of the advance was recouped, so the next option, whether it's an album or another single, is automatically in effect. Another really important thing to look at is the definition for the satisfactory delivery of an album under the deal. So some deals might require both a technically and a commercially satisfactory album to be delivered. An album is technically satisfactory when it's technically well-made. So that's fairly easy to satisfy, as most any song that was recorded, mixed, and mastered by a reputable recording studio professional will usually suffice. However, an album is only commercially satisfactory if the label believes that the track will sell, which is clearly very highly subjective. So if an artist is trying to negotiate a clause here, they might require that the album only be technically satisfactory to satisfy the album delivery requirement. Additionally, this is very important in emerging musical genres such as EDM and dance music, where there are quick and unpredictable shifts in listenership, where an artist or type of musical genre was highly marketable at one time and no longer isn't. It's also important to understand what does not count as an album for delivery purposes. So some contracts state that a live performance or solely instrumental or acapella album doesn't count. Another really important concept in each recording agreement is the advance or the advance of recording funds. And that's the money under the deal that the artist gets from the label when they sign the deal and are the funds that the musician uses to actually record the song or album. So the way it works is after all the recording costs and mixing and mastering and studio time is paid for, if any money is left over, then the artist gets it. However, if the artist needs additional funds to finish the work that they owe the label after using their recording advance, the artist usually has to pay the difference. However, if the label decides they want to cover this, then they will, and they usually treat this as an additional advance. So almost every deal, any advance of any money on behalf of the artist, whether it's recording costs, marketing, promotion, music videos, everything related to the work, is usually considered a recoupable advance. A recoupable advance under most agreements means that any money provided to the artist, whether it's recording costs or anything else related, is recouped from any of the artist's royalties until the original amounts are paid back to the label. So essentially the artist doesn't earn any additional money until the label receives all of the money that they've earned. What's unique about most recording contracts is the advance is usually non-returnable. So that means there's no need for the artist to ever repay the money provided by the label. So even if the release ends up flopping and never recoups the amount or really anything, there's nothing that the label can do. Another important thing to look at is the actual royalty rate for each sale. And that's how the amount that's owed is recouped. So sometimes an artist may try to create escalators of the royalty rate that once they hit a th certain threshold, the royalty rate rises or escalates. And when you think about escalators, there's two important kinds. You have prospective ones, which applies to any sales going forward, which means once you hit the set mark, any sales over that are at this higher royalty rate. So if you have to sell 100000 
and you sell 100,000, once you sell for 100,001, 100,002, each of these sales is at the higher rate. And then you have retroactive ones where essentially once you hit the specific level, it goes back to unit one. So you get this higher royalty rate for every sale, not just the ones over the set number you had to reach. It's also important that an artist is aware that any free goods or those given away for promotional use don't count as sales because there's no royalty earned on them. And another point is, you know, under most recording contracts, the royalties paid to the musician are considered all in, which means if the artist entered into a production deal with a music producer for a certain royalty, the artist has to pay that producer from the royalty that they earn from the label. So if the artist gets 15% royalty on their sales and they owe the producer 3% royalty on the track, then the artist ends up getting 12% and they have to pay the producer the other 3%. So obviously every deal is different and many deals are 20, 30 pages, if not longer. So there are many more important provisions that need to be examined and are relevant. As always, the best advice is to hire a professional who is experienced in the field and the industry. So thanks again for tuning in. Please follow me on Twitter, Justin J-E-S-Q. Check jacobsonfirm.com for more information and articles. This is attorney advertising. Prior results did not guarantee a similar outcome. And all of this is for educational purposes only. 